This is Kayla. This is Nick from Mount Vernon, Ohio. Dusted is a story wonk podcast. To show your support. And for exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash storywonk. Thanks. everyone and welcome to the show i'm lonnie diane rich i'm alistair stevens and this is dusted you're guaranteeing a great big smile buffy the vampire slayer podcast this week we're watching episode seven of season six <laughs> of buffy once more with feeling perhaps you have heard of it this episode aired on november the 6th 2001 and was written and directed by joss whedon whedon had wanted to produce a musical episode of buffy ever since the show started but it took until the break between seasons five and six for him to find the time to you know write the entire thing the entire yes. script all the music and a everything. full musical score he showed up on the first day of shooting for season six with you can only assume a fully stuffed manila envelope oh my god i don't know that is is a lot of talent for one man to possess. Arguably too much. Arguably too Arguably, much. This is on the verge of showing off. I think it kind of is. The actors spent three months in voice training preparing to do the episode. And because of the demand of this episode, they actually filmed a lot of these sequences while doing the other episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Michelle Trachtenberg, who plays Dawn and has had ballet training, requested a dance sequence instead of singing. And Allison Hannigan begged Wheaton to give her as few lines as possible as she is really super not a singer. Sarah Michelle Geller was so terrified of singing that they almost had a voice double do the work, but she refused to let someone else play her big emotional turn. So she did the training and she made it happen. And I have to say, she's pretty good. Not half bad. Yeah. And absolutely manages to land those emotional notes in yes. a way that a stand-in singer I don't think we'd be able to wouldn't do. wouldn't have done. Yeah. I think that what makes Once More With Feeling so remarkable is not the music, is not the production, though those things are certainly remarkable too. It's that this is an integral part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. It is impossible to watch season six without watching this episode. It is impossible to watch Buffy as a show without watching this episode. Right. It seems like the easy thing to do with an odd episode, with a with a stunt episode like this, is to make it something that sort of stands apart, and then we can just continue the regular story as we go. Exactly. But make this it... is all about everything that's been happening yeah. within Buffy. This is a huge, huge moment for her. And Arguably, this is not just for Buffy personally, but for all of our cast. This is the largest turning point in many of their stories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't get bigger than Once More with Feeling, and the emotional stakes are perhaps never higher than they are (laughs) in this episode. It's an anomaly in other ways, too, besides the music. It ran for eight minutes longer than the standard Buffy episode, and it was letterboxed, which wasn't done at the time for any other Buffy episodes. It's also the only episode of the show to air without the traditional credit sequence. Instead, we get this retro-pastiche throwback. Yes. number which Mm -hmm. i really enjoy it is it's really kind of fun to see that and you know that you're in for something special something different had they brought in the traditional sequence it would have felt just out of phase with the rest of this episode no it's a bold choice oh my god it's amazing there's no way to make that that traditional opening sequence Mm -hmm. work in the context of this episode it would be detrimental to the piece as a whole and this is clearly 
a very considered piece of storytelling. It's it's extraordinary. I mean, we're already gushing. There's really yes. no way that we can talk about this episode <laughs> without gushing. Right. I do know I am astonished to discover that there are people out there in the world who love Buffy and don't like Once More with Feeling. I think that's a completely legitimate, though to me, inexplicable response. I think some people have difficulty dealing with musicals. Sure, I think maybe sure. that might be it for, for at least some people who don't like it. Um, I know when I was younger, I would watch, you know, musicals and they would always throw me out because I'm like, well, all of a sudden they're bursting into song and you have an entire town doing a dance number around a fountain, you know, <laughs> and that would always throw me out. But I think that you know, if you can appreciate the music as as part of that emotional storytelling, mm-hmm. because that's really the thing I think that musicals have is that it connects with the emotions with what these characters are feeling. Um, and I yes. think that 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 tends to be like not quite as plot heavy. It's about the um, the experience and the emotion and the singing and the dancing and all of that, that kind of feeling. And I think that for some people, they prefer their story to be a little bit more real world. Sure. Yeah, I think you have to make that concession Mm -hmm. in order for it to work. And it's certainly true that Once More With Feeling is not a terribly plot-heavy episode. It isn't, yeah. If you distilled out the story, if you removed the Mm -hmm. musical elements and you just told this story straight... It would be over in less than 10 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty quick. But the, the musical numbers in themselves, especially for each of these characters, are so powerful. And they do so much of that emotional storytelling. Yeah, the character moments are what mm-hmm. make this episode work yeah. as well as it does. And it is also a stunning production from start to finish. Oh, my God. Things are done in this episode that I had never seen done on television before. And even now, where the TV musical, I think, is more common than it was, Buffy didn't blaze a trail yeah. in that regard. Mm-hmm. There was already an existing tradition of TV musicals. We had Cop Rock. <laughs> The go-to example that everyone thinks of. It is the example sure. everybody thinks of. <laughs> there had been episodes mm-hmm. of, of Xeno Warrior Princess sure, in the sure. 90s that had mm-hmm. set something of a template for mm-hmm. this kind of thing. This, I think, is much more ambitious. Mm-hmm. But now, where we live in a world that has Gallivant and has oh, Crazy sure. Ex-Girlfriend airing yeah. on, on regular television. And the musical episode of Scrubs. Absolutely. Sure. This episode still mm-hmm. stands out. It is still one of the finest accomplishments in terms of TV production that I think I've ever seen. Because it's done in this musical style. I mean, we even get our I Want song, which is one of the most classic hallmarks of a musical. Mm -hmm. Particularly the the, the Disney musical. Particularly the Disney musical, you know, where the hero or the heroine stands up and sings about what it is that they want from life. Um, And that gets us started on whatever the path is for that character. Mm -hmm. So to open this with an I Want song, like it's a Disney musical, shows not just that we're, you know, having our characters sing and dance and we're giving them songs to sing, but that we're really understanding the musical form and what you do in that form when you're telling stories. Yes, I think that's less comprehensively successful Mm -hmm. throughout the the entire episode. I think some of the songs work better as reference points than they Mm do as cohesive parts of what passes for a narrative in Once More With Feeling. Mm -hmm. Rather than feeling like a part of Buffy's world, they feel referential. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything breaks the spirit of the episode. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything that, that doesn't work, that outright doesn't work. But there certainly are... Pieces which are more successful, which mm-hmm. are more Buffy, yes, and pieces which are, I think, less successful. Mm-hmm. We can't really do a standard beat-by-beat yeah. this week because to talk about the plot 
and not just dive repeatedly into every song as it comes up, mm-hmm. I think would leave us with a weird and fragmented episode of Buffy. So instead, what we're going to do, I'm going to gloss the plot as yeah. we move forward, mm-hmm. but really we're going to talk about the songs because the songs are where Once More With Feeling lives yeah. and breathes. So we start with, in the full and, and unedited cut, mm-hmm. we start with life in the summer's house, everyone mm-hmm. waking. We get Tara finding a little sprig of dried yes. flowers, which will become so very mm-hmm. significant later. We get Buffy staring at her alarm clock as it continues to ring, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful piece of, of character work. Mm-hmm. But the episode doesn't really begin until the graveyard. Until the graveyard. So kind of, kind of, if you consider that opening sort of the credit sequence, we do sort of begin we, in the we graveyard. effectively begin we in the graveyard. begin in the graveyard. Where we, are. Yes. we do get the mm-hmm. beautiful overture play yes. over those opening mm-hmm. scenes. But when we get Folding to the graveyard... in parts of all the songs. Exactly. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Then we get going through the motions. Mm-hmm. This is Buffy's big I want song. Yeah. How does going through the motions work for you? I love going through the yeah. motions. Uh, one of the things that I really love about this season of Buffy is that we have this big thing that happened to Buffy, you know, and we're not, you know, waiting a couple of episodes and everything is fine. Like she is really suffering from this transition that she's been through. And it, it states very clearly how it is that she's feeling, that she's just feeling disconnected from everything. Um, I love this whole song. I think it is so much fun. I love when she comes up against the demons and the vampires uh, in the, <laughs> in the graveyard um it's it's very fun i like when they have their little bit she's not even half the girl she ow and then he falls over you know sure. it's, it's just a lot of of fun stuff going on at this point you know that there's a musical episode but you don't know like why everybody is singing or are we supposed to pretend like this isn't weird you know yeah that turn is going to come yeah. as we move into the second sequence mm-hmm. i think right now you're absolutely right you could sit down and simply Accept this as an alternate universe sure, version as a of Buffy. World, yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. it's just this is Buffy represented as a musical, and I think that that would be just fine. Yeah. I think that you could absolutely do that, but to fold in this in-universe explanation mm-hmm. to build the plot around this conceit and to allow the characters to comment reflexively upon it. Mm-hmm. My favorite example of that, I think, is right before we get Marty Noxon's song, which oh, we'll yes. talk about in due course, <laughs> as Anya and Xander and Giles are walking along the street mm-hmm. and Anya's complaining that people were watching us. It felt like our apartment only had three walls and no fourth wall. <laughs> P- pretty great. It's nice. Pretty, I like Pretty that. great joke there. <laughs> So the I Want song as a statement of intent works really beautifully, Mm -hmm. but it's not exactly a classic Disney I Want song because Mm -hmm. it's darker. Buffy can't have the thing that she wants and she doesn't articulate the actual problem here, which Mm -hmm. is that she's suffering alone. Mm -hmm. That's going to be very significant toward the end of the episode. But the degree to which Buffy is not completely in tune with her own experience, mm-hmm. not completely in tune with her own emotional state, yeah. I think sets up an interesting discontinuity through the episode that, that Buffy herself doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. That's enormously She's powerful. She's going through the motions and disconnected. And I think that part of that, the the complaint about how it is that she's feeling, that she feels disconnected, that she's she's just kind of living life and doing mm-hmm. what she's not feeling Playing anything part, about sure. anything. Exactly. And I think that that, without her saying, I want to be connected, I want to feel something, um, we don't get that from her directly. But I think that that is definitely expressed throughout the I Want song, which I think yeah. is it makes it even more genius because it manages to get across what she wants while never actually looking directly at what it is that she wants. Yeah, I think it's possible to to go back to mm-hmm. 
go back to this entire episode, but certainly go back to this song mm-hmm. many, many times over and yeah. continue to find new subtlety within it, which again, damn near showing off. Oh, no, it really just, just is. Just awfully close <laughs> to just showing off. I do have a question though. Yeah. What do we make of the actual storyline that's unfolding here? What is the plot that is happening in the graveyard? In the graveyard. So, yeah, like there's just there's a couple of vampires, there's a demon, there's a Disney hero looking guy <laughs> tied yeah, to a tree. That guy. That guy. That guy. I don't know. What do you make of him? Let me tell you something about that guy. Take a look at this guy. Consider what we know. Vampires don't take prisoners. Those ropes are just for show. He's just hanging in the graveyard Waiting till the time is ripe Just waiting for the slayer He heard he was her type He's just another douchebag With floppy, floppy hair One of many, many douchebags We need a douchebag slayer He's just another Owen Buffy may be cursed Like Riley and like Parker, though Scott Hope remains the worst We don't care if the vamps eat him, it wouldn't be a waste Buffy's biggest big bad yet is her own tragic taste This is a song for the douchebags, who she seems somehow to like With this many douchebags, I guess we can't blame her for Spike This is a song for the douchebags I don't want to be fake Sunny Dale's replete with douchebags They really are a plague He's just another douchebag With floppy, floppy hair One of many, many douchebags We need a douchebag slayer Yeah, That is the kind of guy that Buffy usually finds herself attracted to. And yet she takes the knife. She slices through the ropes. He's trying to talk to her. How can I repay you? And she just walks away. She has absolutely no interest. Whatever is the perfect response, Buffy may actually be well served by her time. Exactly. If if nothing else, it has made her immune to the floppy haired douchebag. So I like that. I don't dare believe immune. (laughs) Some guy's going to stroll over with a copy of Thoreau. And she'll be sunk again. I'm sure it's it's only ever a matter of time. Oh yeah. No, so that's that true. concludes mm-hmm. our our opening movement. If you like, that concludes our first song. We cut from there to the magic box, and we have this wonderful moment of awkwardness. Yes. Where no one is talking about what has mm-hmm. happened. Everyone believes that they are the only ones. Buffy finally broaches the subject. The Scoobies get to researching, mm-hmm. and we move into our second song or our second song sequence i suppose because here we have i've got a theory and bunnies and then if we're together Mm -hmm. i have to tell you that the opening moments of i've got a theory are maybe my favorite in the episode oh they're fantastic and this is the song this is the one song that after i listen to the soundtrack i'm singing it for days (laughs) it is so fun it's great seeing the entire ensemble together Mm -hmm. i think and and really exploring the character dynamics there's so much there's so many incidental details here that i adore perhaps my favorite moment in the entire episode is willow's line about the kid who's dreaming in his wacky broadway nightmare and tara's (laughs) little jazz hands little jazz hands i know i love that it is the greatest thing and then we get bunnies yes I hate this. Oh. I hate this. This joke isn't funny anyway. And breaking the thing that you've already broken. Yes. 
I, I hate this. Okay, for what it's worth. Yes. <laughs> I think that Emma Caulfield kills right? it. Sure. Like, okay, I can definitely see the complaint that we go into this bizarre bunnies thing. And the bunnies thing with Anya, you know, is not is not as bad as kitten poker, but it is one of these things that is is somewhat ridiculous. Her fear of bunnies becomes this like, you know, weird joke that just carries on and on. But I do love Emma Caulfield's performance in this. I love her delivery. I love the quiet, or maybe midgets, like at the end. I love that. Oh, really? Because that's insult to injury, is what that is. (laughs) It's nothing against Emma Caulfield. It's nothing even necessarily against Anya. I just can't with that. But that allows us to get to the actual heart Mm -hmm. of the matter, which is Buffy doing what Buffy does and unifying the Scoobies, and I find this genuinely touching. Yeah. Despite the fact that I'm aware, even as we're watching the sequence, that Buffy doesn't believe it. Well, no, she's unifying them, but what she's saying is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't care. Just yeah. do the she's thing. She's telling the truth, but yeah. the consequence is not exactly. what she intended. Exactly. Or I guess her intention is to unify them. Yeah. But she is able to unify them through telling a very personal truth. Yeah, exactly. Which is that she's not invested that it doesn't what can't we face if we're together whatever like most of buffy's stuff in this episode can just be summed up with whatever (laughs) well yeah up to a certain point i think that's true (laughs) (laughs) from there we learned that this magic is not just affecting the scoobies but Mm -hmm. is apparently affecting the entire town because Mm -hmm. we cut outside to a really well executed joke oh my god this is hilarious they got the mustard out (laughs) yeah this is David Fury. That's David Fury belting it out there. I kind of like that. David Fury apparently has an extensive history in musical theater, as you can tell. Well, you can certainly tell. And then we've got all the dancers with all the dry cleaning. And it's this very, very quick cut joke, you know. Um, but I love that moment. And yeah, it's it really kind of funny. Quick, mm-hmm. but it is so lavishly and beautifully done. Yes. That it feel it feels so intentional that it's not a cutaway joke. It's mm-hmm. not a throwaway joke. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just a quick joke. Exactly. I like it. Very much, though, I think if you're watching Once More with Feeling for the first time, mm-hmm. or if you are troubled by the actual mechanics of this this magical effect, sure. this is when you start to wonder, who gets the songs? <laughs> All of those dancers yes. that are hanging out with David Fury, do they get their own songs later in the day? I think, I think that when you are around somebody who happens to have a song, that you just become their backup singers. So I think that everybody backs up for everybody else eventually throughout the day. That's possible. That's my guess. It would be really depressing if you got to the end of the day and you'd only ever been a backup singer. I don't know. I mean, seeing what happens to the people who are singing and dancing, I think I would probably be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, the rules of of musical here yeah. mm-hmm. are a little a little unclear. Mm-hmm. But whatever is dramatically necessary will happen. Well, So I maybe mean, that's the simplest rule. The truth is coming out throughout all of these songs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people are expressing things that they don't ordinarily, you know, want to express. Um, and I think that that is part of the damage that mm-hmm. happens from this. And the other part is, of course, the occasional person who dances so much that they, yes, you which know, we'll get spontaneously to combust. In just a few minutes. First, though, we have yes. to talk about one of the most controversial elements of this episode mm-hmm. because Tara and Willow in the magic box get a little giggly and decide yes. to take advantage of the day rather than researching the actual mm-hmm. mystery at hand. And we get Tara's song, Under Your Spell. Mm-hmm. How do you like this? I like this song. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's it feels a little bit weird 
Like mm-hmm. there's something about this song that has always felt a little bit weird to me, but I like the, um, I like the intent behind it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Amber Benson is is really carrying a lot of the singing throughout this episode, and sure. she's doing pretty sure. well. Um, it's a nice moment with with Willow and Tara, and you know, and because I know, of course, what's coming at the end of the episode, um, it always makes me feel so sad. You know, whenever yeah. we hit this moment and she's singing to Willow, and and you realize, of course, that Willow has essentially brainwashed her you know has essentially like molded her memories so that she doesn't remember that she's mad yes so it's it's really difficult in this moment for me to watch what is such a sweet and heartfelt moment but understanding that tara is actually under a magical influence exactly and watching willow through this this song is really tough because Mm -hmm. she betrays none of it yeah she betrays no hint at all that she is responsible for Tara's present euphoria. And we might argue that she is caught up in the song, that the, the yeah. magic of the song has mm-hmm. affected her. Right. And she is genuinely present in the moment. Mm-hmm. But if that's not the case, the absence of any sign of, of guilt, any guilt at all. or regret or yeah like the absence of that from willow yeah. is incredibly disturbing it certainly and could then be. they go and they have you know magical singing sex yeah we've talked for a long time about the the metaphor <laughs> yes. of of wiccan magic yes. particularly between mm-hmm. uh, willow and and tara there's no metaphor anymore. There's absolutely The subtext no. has become text, and, it, it and I'm glad for it because it's a very well-produced and, yeah. and very engaging and, and genuinely funny sequence. Mm-hmm. Though this is the reason that this song is as controversial as it is. There is an edited, butchered version of Once More With Feeling out there. Mm-hmm. We don't lose parts of this song to that edit, but there is also a version that has most of this song cut. Oh, God, that's tragic. obvious reasons. This is the most flagrant abuse, I think, of standards and practices that I have <laughs> ever seen. Joss Whedon getting around standards his and practices. <laughs> I don't even understand how they don't see this happening. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's hilarious. There's no wonderful. way that, that no one saw it happening. Yeah. Oh, I think standards and practices just... This is defense behind the letter of the law. I guess so. I don't think the I network so. cares. If the because network has she, plausible they just deniability... Because the last part of complete, and there sure, you go. Sure. Right. It's, it's a cut. It's yes. a standard cut. That's yeah. that's part of our, our televisual vocabulary. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great, though. So here's a dark and disturbing thing to talk about in oh, this otherwise good, please, by really all means. lovely... <laughs> well, okay. When Jonathan put those girls under the spell and then slept with them... Now, granted... They didn't. They wouldn't have liked him without the spell. Whereas Tara does love Willow even mm-hmm. without the spell. Mm-hmm. But she is under the influence, and they do have sex. I mean, yeah, I it's mean, it's crossing a line. It, it's certainly crossing a line because Tara can't at this point give informed consent. consent. Yeah. Well, there are two separate issues here. The first is that they are clearly under the influence of the right. musical magic. Mm-hmm. But since everyone is under that influence, perhaps we're not so worried about issues of consent as we otherwise would be. Or at least if there is an issue of consent that we need to discuss, Willow at least isn't doing anything wrong to the degree that they're under strictly the musical magic. Well, I think Willow has done, I mean, she's done something terribly, terribly wrong. Separately. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Aside from the Mm -hmm. musical magic, there is also the the memory spell that Willow has cast. That is much more clear cut. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's not about Tara's consent it is about tara's informed, informed consent, consent exactly. and willow has removed the necessary under the information. circumstances yes yeah mm-hmm. so it's not as though she is 
manipulating Tara into wanting to have this romantic relationship, wanting to Which have sex Tara with her. would not want, were it not for the, the magical influence, Tara exactly obviously right. does want this relationship and does love Willow. But, but in this particular instance, her consent of necessary has been, information. yeah, so I find that, I find that kind of disturbing. Speaking of things which are disturbing, yes. we cut from there to Xander <laughs> and Anya and I'll Never Tell. I love this song. <laughs> there are parts of this song that I really like. And I am surprised every time I watch this episode uh-huh. how how much I like. I was going to say how good yeah. Nick Brendan's voice is. I'm not sure that his voice is really good, mm-hmm. but I really like it. I think he does a good performance. He's got a really pleasant he quality to his voice. He goes all in, and I think that he harmonizes well with Emma Caulfield. I think that they sing well together. Yes, certainly there are, there are certain parts of the song where that really works. How does the tight embrace... Double entendre work for you. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think that Nicholas Brendan delivers it well. You don't like it? I really, really <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like this song ultimately, not just because it, it feels less like a part of yeah. the episode. As I said earlier, some of the songs in this episode feel completely integral. You mm-hmm. could not remove them and leave the story intact. This. I'm not sure works as well for me. And I'm honestly not sure that I like the character beat either. Yeah. It feels as though we're acknowledging something that has now, very Mm -hmm. recently, become text. Xander and Anya are kind of terrible together. Yeah. But we're still encouraged to see them as a companionable couple. I guess this is my problem with I'll Never Tell. I can never simply enjoy it. (laughs) It is constantly provocative. Mm -hmm. Up to and including... The way that it's shot. Yeah. When they're in the living room, and we're getting, and I love the choreography yeah. throughout, but there is a moment when we're in the living room and the camera pulls up and clearly passes through where the ceiling of the room should be. <laughs> and that, for some reason, throws me out of that, that moment. That throws you out. Oh. You know how I am with spaces. Oh, that's a shame. So I know. Yeah. Ultimately, for me, I'll Never Tell is probably my least favorite song in, in the piece. How oh. does it work for you? Not everything is for everyone. But baby, this is for me I don't need it to be great or good Just made specifically Specifically to delight me To take it away, you'll have to fight me you don't like it, you can bite me. It's specifically to delight me. Sanders maybe not at his best. And Anya's a little tweet. Say you hate it just to spite 
needed specifically to delight me. No, sure. I mean, universal appeal is not a reliable metric for the quality of entertainment. So I see where you're coming from. But right. Yeah, mm-hmm. For me, mm, oh well, not so much. From there, we move to Spike's crypt. And we get, right at the beginning of the sequence, a really interesting conversation between Spike and Buffy. Mm-hmm. Where Spike tells her that he is thankfully immune to whatever yes. weird magic is going on. He knows all about it, but he hasn't suffered from it himself mm-hmm. until Buffy is there. Right. Because Spike didn't have anything to sing about until Buffy was there. Okay, see, I thought that he was lying. I thought that he was saying, well, gladly I'm immune when he had done a number the night before. See, I think the performance that we get from James Masters as he starts to sing Mm -hmm. suggests that that is not, in fact, the case. Well, but he doesn't seem surprised. He seems annoyed. When it happens, so I think that does suggest that it's the case. I'm I don't not know. Sure We're gonna that have to let people surprise weigh is the in response on that. that I would expect from yeah. Spike. He seems, yeah, this is. Yeah, oh God, this is the last thing that I need. <laughs> How do you like this? How do you like this? This raucous Billy Idol number for oh Spike. Oh my God, I love this number. This is one of my favorite things, and especially because it is finally acknowledging for the first time, like openly between them that Spike is still in love with Buffy. I mean, I think everybody knows it. Nobody really needs to talk about it. But he openly says, let me take my love and bury it in a hole six foot deep. Like he is Mm -hmm. actively, openly acknowledging that he still loves her, that he can't be around her, that she's using him just to have somebody to talk to and is not interested in him and he should, she should just leave him alone. And, uh, and I love, I love this whole thing. He's saying, you know, let me rest in peace, go away. This whole thing, she leaves and he follows her like a man possessed, you know, it is such this wonderful, um, I love this kind of like wonderful, two-sided thing that we get mm-hmm. from Spike at, at a couple of points during this episode where he he really just wants to like let it go and to not care about her anymore and to have her leave right. him alone but in this in the very next moment he has to go to her exactly and when we talk about these songs giving us enormous access to a character's interiority yeah. I think this is a conflict that we've understood mm-hmm. but which we've never really explored before yeah. Spike's internal duality at this point is absolutely compelling i'm not perhaps musically as big a fan of this song as some of the other songs Mm -hmm. in in the episode but certainly i love the narrative impact of it and watching buffy throughout is telling Mm -hmm. yeah when she runs off at the end it's just yeah it really works. No, I, I like it a lot. I like how torn she is. You know, um, there's that moment before he starts singing when, you know, he says, you came here to pump me for information. She goes, what else would I be pumping you for? And you can see that she yeah. is aware that there is like this sexual something between them, you know? Sure. That, that's not my favorite line. No, it's that's the may- line itself is awkward, forced. but I like I like what the line reveals. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it really does work. And... Yeah, uh, James Masters also a really great performer. Fantastic. I love the way he delivers everything in this episode. Mm. I mean, I, obviously, big fan of James Masters, big fan of Spike, <laughs> but this is some of my favorite. So this is effectively the end of the first act. We cap the first act with the tap dancing fellow who burns up in yes. the street. Mm-hmm. And we get our first glimpse of the demon of mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. I like that we've front-loaded a lot of the character stuff mm-hmm. here. I like that we've got this sense of of increasing tension, of increasing conflict, because up until this point, 
all of the danger has come from pre-existing emotional conditions. Exactly. <laughs> you guys are your own worst enemies. You guys are your own worst enemies. Exactly. But then we have this guy who is, you know, spontaneously combusting while tap dancing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there is something more dangerous, more malevolent, and a danger to everybody in the town. Yes. Ultimately, that may not turn out to be true. Ultimately, we may not really feel the stakes of that. I think we've released that pressure, you know, very well. But at this point, when we see we have all this stuff going on and you're so dazzled by the songs and and the emotional complexity and the consequences of the things that people are confessing to each other Mm. that they ordinarily would not confess. Um, And then we've got suddenly something else. We've got an escalation on there. Not only do we have this danger from people actually telling each other the truth, which is ordinarily, I think, a good thing, honest communication. Um, But we also have people who are who are going to die because mm-hmm. of it's just too much for them to handle. How does Sweet work for you as an antagonist? Mm-hmm. When we look at this episode narratively, and as we've said, it, it's pretty thin, narratively speaking. Yeah. How does he work for you as a counterforce against Buffy? Or is that irrelevant? Is I, this a story of internal conflict of Buffy versus Buffy? I think this is a, a lot of everybody versus themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's essentially what most of it is. I love him as a character. I think he's really, really fun <laughs> as an antagonist, as a as a narrative you know, piece. I think that it, it's it's a little bit weak. How much does it hurt us that we have sweet, a a sharp dressed demon with a love Mm -hmm. of musical theater, but we don't have Lorne? A sharp-dressed demon with a love of <laughs> musical theater. Yeah. It would have been fantastic to have Lorne, but I mean, Lorne couldn't have been the bad guy because he's Lorne. Um, so he couldn't have placed that that um, that element there. But I would have loved Andy Hallett in this episode. Oh, I would have loved if Andy Hallett had simply come and played Sweet. <laughs> like, oh, into- right. No, if he had just played Sweet, but we hadn't like had him be because if you put him in different makeup, I mean, it's a different demon, you know. Sure. Um, Sweet is yeah. played, we should say, by Hinton Battle, who is fantastic. Also, Nothing to take away from him. Possesses the yeah. world's greatest name. He does have a great Hinton name. Hinton Battle, and he is. It's about as good as it gets. Unbelievable. He is so good. I love the way he sings his song. I love everything about this guy. (laughs) It is fair to say that I think the entire ensemble, even Alison Hannigan, Mm -hmm. who is perhaps the weakest singer of, of the bunch, the entire ensemble acquits themselves really rather beautifully. Oh my God, and do they? Yeah. within the ensemble, we get some genuinely great performances. I think mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Gellar sounds fantastic throughout the episode. Amber Benson, obviously, has, mm-hmm. has a beautiful voice. Yeah. Anthony Stewart Head clearly has an extraordinary voice. Oh yeah, James and, Marsters, and who's a that. singer also. Sure. sure. Mm-hmm. But Hinton Battle. No, he's serious business. I mean, good God. He is serious business. And of course he should be. He's the musical demon. If he doesn't sound like he came straight <laughs> off a Broadway stage, it's not going to work. So when he comes in and just lights the place up, um, it is a wonderful thing. Yeah. When Dawn gets home from school, she has her conversation with Tara, who tells her that yes. they believe that the demon may be responsible. That it mm-hmm. turns out Giles may have been right, right back at the beginning of the theory. <laughs> Dawn mentions at this point to Tara how glad she is that Tara and Willow are not fighting anymore. Yes. And Tara plucks the, the sprig of dried flowers from mm-hmm. her sweater, beginning to suspect that something may not be right after all. She leaves Dawn alone for a few minutes. Dawn's petulance at... No, right? Exactly. (laughs) That's what I wrote down. I'm like, I'm sorry, kid. You know, when you are 15 years old and you can't be left at home for a half an hour, fine. You know, you can complain if you live in our little small town of Stars Hollow, right? But if you live in Sunnydale... 
absolutely nobody should leave you alone for well, a minute. In fairness, if Dawn's going to be in danger in Sunnydale, Tara is not going to be able to help her. Tara's a witch. Well, true. Tara's a powerful witch. All right. She can, let it she can kick ass. We get the beginning of Dawn's <laughs> song, Dawn's yes. lament. We get the two lines and then it is mercifully cut short because oh, i don't think that was going anywhere it's good. terrible no dawn's lament i think is probably my least favorite song and it's also that does anybody even notice does no, anybody okay. even care it's like that whiny you petulant 15 year old thing you don't get to choose dawn's lament as your least favorite song because dawn's lament is basically a joke i know but <laughs> it is still, a non-song i don't that care is, that is a cheat answer to that <laughs> question at that point dawn is attacked by the Genuinely creepy, I think. Minions of sweet. Yeah, yeah. The puppet face guys. What do you think of these guys? Um, they are really creepy. They are really weird. I think I like them better when they don't speak. We have one who speaks a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I think that that doesn't work as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're creepy. They're weird, but they dance. You know, they and I certainly do I dance. love this whole thing. I love that they give Michelle Trachtenberg a chance to do a little ballet, which I yes. think is really nice. Um, I like that they've got a little dance number. How many times did you watch Once More with Feeling? And the answer may well be one, and I may just be foolish. But how many times did you watch Once More with Feeling before you realized that this was the bronze? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I literally saw this episode a dozen times. Yeah. Before I realized it was the bronze. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because it does feel really different it feels so much smaller it, it does there's and, no and completely there's that unlike, big dance yeah, floor yeah. isn't there anymore i mean <laughs> it, it feels really contracted but maybe there's some kind of spatial effect that the musical demon has on the space i don't know so dawn is confronted by sweet who lays out one of the most impressive songs mm-hmm. in the entire thing he sings what you feel which is my god if i could sing any of the the songs yeah. from this show mm-hmm. it would be that one. Oh my god I, seriously if i had I a voice that. that could do justice to that oh <laughs> it's just magnificent yeah. and he sets up what passes for our core narrative conflict here right. people are going to burn up but mm-hmm. more specifically he has an interest in the slayer oh yeah do you like the interplay between Sweet and Dawn right at the end? Uh, yeah, no, this queen I, thing's illegal? I like that. This queen thing's illegal. You like that? I thought it was very, very cute. And I like the way that Michelle Trachtenberg played back and forth with him. They do that little dance and it's kind mm-hmm. of it's kind of nice. But of course, like he doesn't know that she is the, the Slayer's sister until like she, he just is going to take her to be his queen at sure. this point like this is just his plan so once he finds out that's when he becomes interested in in buffy mm-hmm. but not before like he just is going to take this this girl and and make her his queen yeah it seems that his intent is to burn sunnydale to the ground yeah mm-hmm. just know, to watch it for burn the third mm-hmm. or fourth time this sure. week <laughs> From there, we cut back to the magic box to one of the more heartbreaking scenes you're ever going to get from Buffy as Giles trains with Buffy and explains through song why he has to leave. I cry every single time he does this performance. I have watched this, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen times, and I still, every single time, this makes me cry and it's so sad and this is like we have two songs here Mm -hmm. that are anomalies from the rest of them in that nobody else can hear or see what either uh, Giles is singing now or when Tara comes in later and and does the the reprise with him Um, so why is it that Buffy can't hear him? Because all of this stuff is people singing the truth, telling the, their truth, yeah. and, and that truth is creating the problems in the relationship. So why is this truth, 
Why can't Buffy hear it? Well, I do think there's a possible answer here, and it exists in the presence of the viewer. Mm -hmm. Throughout the episode, right from the beginning of the episode, in fact, we're playing to the camera during the musical numbers in a way that we never do in Buffy the Vampire Mm -hmm. Slayer. Xander and Anya's song is performed entirely to the camera, Mm -hmm. and Anya acknowledges that that's the case later in the episode. like they took out the fourth wall. Exactly Mm -hmm. right. So I think that it's the... The confession of honesty, mm-hmm. but not necessarily to the person that you're in the scene with. It's the the confession of honesty to the unseen audience. Right. And I think that we get a certain amount of flexibility, but our role as observers mm-hmm. seems to be both fixed and necessary mm-hmm. throughout the fabric of the episode. Now, that may be stretching. The yeah. real answer is mm-hmm. it's a TV show. Right. And we're not ready to have this conversation yet. <laughs> But the way that our presence as viewers is folded into the fiction itself, Mm -hmm. I think is really, really interesting. Oh, God, it's so sad. This song when he sings to her. And the thing is that there's a certain amount of, you know, you're not addressing your problems. You're not facing things. You're leaving it for me to do for you. Um, You know, that feels like like not enough of a reason for him to to leave. You know, it feels like it's he could just pull back. He could just not rescue her you know i don't think he could i don't think he's strong enough. i don't think he, well obviously he can't because later on in the episode he he tries exactly. and he can't do it um but this song when he sings this song i completely understand mm-hmm. why he has to leave um and it is so sad and so heartbreaking and it makes me weep every time i watch it it is the core mm-hmm. of late season Buffy yeah. and her relationship with Giles. This is what it is all about. And mm-hmm. to do this kind of storytelling in a musical episode, yeah. mm-hmm. to land these important, pivotal emotional moments in a musical episode, in an episode which would be in any other show, mm-hmm. a complete throwaway. Mm-hmm. It is incredible. Mm-hmm. That, that Whedon can do this. Yeah. It's, it's obnoxious, a little obnoxious that Whedon it's, can do this is what I'm saying. It is a little obnoxious because my understanding is before this, he had never written any music. Like he I, had I never composed any music. <laughs> I, just think, I think it's a little unfair for one human to have exactly that much talent. But I have to say, I'm glad that he does because I have enjoyed it a great deal. And then just in case you have any feelings left oh unbruised. Oh my God. We get the reprise of Under Your Spell and Standing, which is, I mean, beautiful. Oh, my God. When Tara goes and puts the flower in the book and sees what it is and sees what it does to her, that line, you know, I've been through hell. Mm -hmm. um, And it brings us back to what happened with Glory, you know, and it it is so heartbreaking. By inverting and and fully realizing, by talking Mm -hmm. honestly about the song from earlier, yeah. you know? mm-hmm. I'm under your spell. Yeah. We're now realizing the the magnitude and the enormity how, how of much that. she is under Willow's spell. And to yes. sing, I am under your spell to Willow, and for Willow not to have a shred of guilt or remorse, I mean, that is dark for Willow. I, I genuinely have to headcanon my way around this. I have to believe that that when Tara is singing, I'm under your spell the first time, that Willow, Willow is, just is caught also up in the magic under a too. spell yes. and can't respond yes. to it. Yeah, I just. It is so, so incredibly devastating. Oh, God. And then when they both say, I wish I could stay. But I love this thing from Amber Benson. I think she delivers this beautifully. Mm -hmm. But when she says, we're done, Mm -hmm. like it's finally this moment where Tara is standing up and saying, absolutely not. This uh, this is no further than this. Like, this is it, you know. Um, And I love that moment from her because Giles is still wistful. 
You know, Giles is still, I wish I could stay. Well, Giles isn't could, being you know? hurt. Giles right. is leaving Buffy for Buffy. For her. Out of, Tara know, is leaving Willow for Tara. For Tara, yeah. Which is just, the right choice. I mean, exactly. absolutely the right choice. Well, and I'm but, so glad because yeah. Tara, sometimes it seems to me like she is willing to take a lot of abuse, you know? Yeah, I've never been sure how much of that is a part of her character mm-hmm. and how much of that is a consequence of her position in the ensemble. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she's oftentimes, as we've said for, for three seasons now, yeah. she has oftentimes simply been damseled yeah. in order to motivate Willow or mm-hmm. damseled in order to motivate Buffy. This is arguably, I think, the strongest moment that we've seen from Tara no, to date. I love Tara in season six because she is her own person and yeah. she's having her own thoughts and her own responses. And I really love what they do with her in this. And I think that Amber Benson performs the hell out of it. Oh, she certainly does. And mm-hmm. she and, and Anthony had together. Oh, together. Oh. oh, my God. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And then to take these two songs and meld them together so yep. beautifully. I don't know. It's just showing off. It really is. I'm just <laughs> speechless after it. Before we get the chance to move on, though, Spike shows up with mm-hmm. one of Sweet's henchmen who, yes. as you said, talks. Yeah. We've been having an ongoing discussion over in the angel side mm-hmm. of Dusted about this instinct to undercut the monstrous and demonic with completely naturalistic speech yes. patterns. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that a lot mm-hmm. over in Angel. Does this feel like it's part of the same impulse? Is this just a thing that Whedon was doing at the time? I don't know, because this character isn't characterized. What we're what we're subverting is the expectation of a song. We have this whole rising music yep. in this moment, and the then he just says, breath. and then he's like, "Well, you know, we have your sister at the bronze, and you got to come get her." Like, and it's and so I think that it's a subversion of expectation. So we've sure. got that kind of joke, but I don't think that the demon himself is characterized enough to kind of fall into that, you know, demon who smokes cigarettes. It's kind of like, isn't that funny, you know? So in this moment, Giles insists that Buffy goes by herself. And I understand why. Mm -hmm. I understand what we're doing. I see your move, TV show, and I don't buy it. (laughs) I don't buy at this moment that Giles would ever send Buffy off by herself into the teeth of an unknown enemy to rescue Dawn. Right. There's no way. There's no way. This is not the time. And I think that Giles would know that, you know? Um, And I also don't think that everybody else would just be like, oh, okay, well, if Giles says no, I guess we just won't help you, (laughs) you know? I mean, Spike (laughs) has that moment where he's like, whatever, I'm with you, you know? And and, and uh, Buffy turns him down because of their previous interaction. So we we fragment our community here. Mm -hmm. Everyone is sent off in disarray. But then we begin this reunification process through the song Walk Through the Fire, which mm-hmm. is Buffy's song, yeah. but does in effect what her earlier song did and unifies the Scoobies, except mm-hmm. this time it's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does Walk Through the Fire work? I love Walk Through the Fire. I think it's a really good song and I love the way that everybody is pulled in together. We even have Sweet singing mm-hmm. underneath all of this stuff. So everybody's singing. Everybody's, you know, part of this building crescendo, you know. All across Sunnydale, This climactic song. I know. It's fantastic. One of the things that I love about this part is that we see Buffy wearing this bright red shirt. Her colors actually match spikes. She's got a red shirt See, with a black top over. I have a detail that I want to pull out here. What is that detail? Spike in this episode is wearing, as you said, the black t-shirt with the red shirt mm-hmm. over. And we've seen Spike wear that red shirt, mm-hmm. I don't know, a dozen times, maybe two dozen times yeah. in the history of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is the last time that Spike will ever wear that shirt. Oh, God. 
That's interesting. And I wonder what that means. <laughs> well, this is the first time Buffy has worn, I think, and I mean, I can't be sure, but I'm, I, I think so, since she came back from the dead, a bright color. Mm-hmm. She has worn muted tones. She's worn mm-hmm. tans and grays and blacks and whites. Yeah. But she hasn't worn well, color. Which does actually precede, I think, her return from the grave, because mm-hmm. that was generally how she was dressing toward the end of the last season, too. After Joyce's death, right. a lot of the color went out of Buffy's life. Now, right. Well, she in was a wearing show red like this, when, she met, when she found Joyce. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. In a show like this, we're going to get a little inconsistency there, sure. but that seems mm-hmm. to be a, a clear direction, if not an entirely definitive one. But it's really interesting. She's got this bright red lipstick. She's got different coloring. Her makeup is different. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her clothing is different when she's wearing that red shirt. And when she takes off the jacket very mm-hmm. slowly as part of the dance, when she's confronting Sweet, we see this just bright red on mm-hmm. her. And it suddenly feels like she, this is a transitional moment for her. This is the moment where she is, is starting to be, I think, think more genuinely herself, express more genuinely who she is. Sure, because when you've spent all day climbing a cliff, (laughs) that moment where you decide to let go Mm -hmm. can feel enormously empowering and freeing. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get a good few seconds of... of Bliss there. Before it's horrifying. Buffy is going to her death. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the actual, I mean, not even the subtext. That's Mm -hmm. the actual text of of Walk Through the Fire. She is so desperate, not Mm -hmm. just to feel a a pure experience, Mm -hmm. but to have this be over. Right. That she is genuinely going to her death. Mm -hmm. So once again, she's unifying the Scoobies through her words, but not her real intent. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just beautifully balanced, beautifully composed, beautifully thoughtful. Yeah. I just love it. And of course, we get one of the most popular lines in the entire episode, mm-hmm. I think. I think this line's mostly filler. I think this line's mostly filler. It is the sweetest thing. Very Allison Hannigan. Deep. Allison Hannigan, what she's given is not is not bad. She's not a like terrible singer. She hasn't given much to do. Sure. But what she does, I think she acquits herself really nicely. Oh, I think so too. No, absolutely. But my favorite part of this song, though, of course, is is Spike, right? Whereas <laughs> I'm free if that bitch dies and then turns it around. I better help her out. Yeah. You know, um, I love that from well, Spike. See, he is so conflicted. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's how you read that line? Yeah. That That's a moment of inflection for Spike where he's free if that bitch dies. I'd better help her out. Meaning I'm changing my mind. Uh, no, he knows. He's he's putting on a show of, you know, I'm free if that bitch dies. I hope she fries. Like, right, you know. because another way of looking at that is to say he understands what Buffy is doing mm-hmm. and he's going to help her. Oh, help her die. Help her die. Oh, see, I never read it that way. I, I find ambiguity uh, yeah. throughout every line that no. Spike gets, particularly it's, in this song. He's complex. Yeah. yeah. So we then arrive at the bronze, and this is really our third act, Mm -hmm. I guess. I think Walk Through the Fire delineates the transition from the second to the third act, and Buffy confronts Sweet and, through song, tells the truth for the first time. Mm -hmm. What do you make of Something to Sing About? Something to Sing About has always been a very weird song for me especially because so much of it is is relying on off-tempo beats yeah. and dissonant weird time signatures dissonant yeah. sing singing and um keys and stuff i think it's really interesting as like a piece of art it's not my favorite song i think that as a song it's not quite as fun as mm-hmm. the other songs but i don't think that it should be i mean i think that the, the way that music is used to express how i think jagged 
Buffy feels inside. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. I think is really nice when she goes off tempo, you know, and she's, she speeds up a little bit and the music's a little bit off. It feels really cool. I mean, I think it represents an emotional state for her. Um, that is, that is really evocative, you know? Um, and when she does the dance, the dance is so insane. It's all over the place mm-hmm. and it doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't it doesn't look good, but it feels like what it's supposed to oh, feel. Yeah, no, absolutely, you know, yeah. I think it expresses Buffy's interiority really well. What do you think of it? I really like it. Mm-hmm. I, I do find it challenging. I do find it provocative. I don't always necessarily enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's a legitimately magnificent piece of work. It really is. It accomplishes through text and subtext, through through overt movement and through subtlety, everything that it sets out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, not lacking in ambition. Oh my God, really. And then we have Spike's intervention. Mm-hmm. Spike has finally made his decision. Yeah. And he wants to draw her back mm-hmm. so that one of us is living. Right. How's your heart doing? Is it oh. is it is it fine? Is it is it pretty good right now? God, it's so sweet. And he he <laughs> hits that exact same kind of kind of flat note. I was in heaven, yeah. and she goes, and he he hits the same thing. So one of us is living, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of this sweet moment. He sort of smiles at her in that moment, like he's you know lightning things, and he's making there's a joke. There's a shared pain. Yeah. There's a shared understanding. There, life isn't bliss. Life is just this. It's living. It's enormously powerful. What do you think of Dawn's finishing line? Perfect. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it, which is, of course, of what Buffy said before she died of, in the gift. All the cuts mm-hmm. that you get for the trimmed down 42 minute version yeah. of Once More With Feeling, the one that I understand the least. They cut that? They cut Dawn's line. What are they? What? I know. <laughs> I didn't watch the cut one. I can't. I refuse. No, I and, can't. and no one should. The yeah. uncut version, by the way, is available on Hulu, as we said in the and show the last week. And of course, you yes. can get the DVDs. So there's too. no other way that anybody can watch Once More with Healing. Yeah, you do have not watch to see the whole thing. The cut version. It's, yeah. it's just not good. Oh, God, no, that's terrible. I completely love that line. Mm-hmm. It shows so much maturity from yeah. Dawn, so much wisdom from Dawn. But I do see. A problematic element here, mm-hmm. right at the end of this song, because I like this Spike very yeah. much, but it doesn't quite feel like Spike to mm-hmm. me. And I like this Dawn very much, but it doesn't quite feel like Dawn to me. I'm not sure that these are the most consistent versions of these characters, though I am very comfortable saying that they are the best versions <laughs> well, of these characters. Isn't everybody? a little bit off because everybody's being, I think, much yeah. more honest because Anya's of the really influence. really consistent. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anya may not have as much of an internal existence <laughs> as maybe some of the other characters. Um, but I think that people are are being more genuinely themselves. They're expressing yeah. themselves more genuinely. I like that and as an I think that that sure. shows us who Dawn really is inside, who Spike really is inside. And I, I, I like it. Sweet at this point applauds. He's happy. Buffy is not apparently going to burst into flames, but that doesn't matter because he is going to take his bride back to one of the many, many hell dimensions oh, sure. that apparently exist out there. And then we get the turn. Mm-hmm. Then we get the twist. Then we get the reveal that it was not, in fact, Dawn who stole the the pendant that and summoned Sweet in the first yes. place. It was Xander mm-hmm. because he thought it would be funny. Right. Do we on any level buy this? Do the, we on any level like this? Are we thing. in any way open to the suggestion 
that Xander is covering for Dawn. No. Yeah, it's really tough. No. <laughs> I want to be. I would love it. I really it. want to be. And I, I think would love it. Reading the script, mm-hmm. you can be. Reading I, the I script, so. you can infer a certain motivation from Xander. And we could have had that. But there's nothing in yes. Nick Brendan's performance that suggests no. anything other than the literal truth. And Xander, yeah. canonically, is just not that good a liar. Yeah. I would love for Xander to be covering for Dawn. I think that I makes wish, so much I more sense. I wish that was how it had been played. I wish that was how it had been played because this is the one moment in this whole thing. I love everything. I hate this. It doesn't make any sense. Dawn is the one who's been stealing things. Dawn is the one who might do this. Dawn wasn't in on the Scooby meeting where they were all trying to research and figure everything out. Xander was there. Mm -hmm. If he knew this was dangerous, that's the time where you say, oh, hey, I did this thing, right? So I have to headcanon it that Xander is covering for Dawn, but I don't think that that (laughs) is at all justifiable. I don't think there's anything in the text. It's... Not, I think, satisfying mm-hmm. to conclude this episode of all episodes with a little sleight of hand. Yeah. Just, just waving the plot mm-hmm. away so that it can be done. It, it doesn't work, no. unfortunately. But and sweet, we, just leaving. Like, yeah. just like, oh, okay, in that so, case, I guess I'll just leave this young nubile girl well, here, right? But I don't hate the beat there mm-hmm. where he says that, that he can leave because no one here can say it's ended well. Yes. That he mm-hmm. has, in fact done what he set out to do mm-hmm. he has sown destruction mm-hmm. through honesty yeah that's enormously powerful and that leads us into first of all we get the reprise of what you feel mm-hmm. and then we get this rousing anthemic mm-hmm. fractured heartbreaking where do we go from here yeah this is stunning oh it's my god stupid understand will go hand in hand and then they all release each other in this angry in yeah. yeah oh god and one of my favorite things of course is when they're doing the the you know the dance number mm-hmm. and spike is doing it along and then he's like wait a minute he just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> it really yeah. works because mm-hmm. even in the text itself, even in yeah. the text of the text, as it were, mm-hmm. we're seeing this this splintering. Yeah. People are disconnected and disassociated from one another. Mm-hmm. The seeds of destruction have been sown yeah. and it, it's enormously impactful. Oh my God, it's While brilliant. also being just beautiful. Mm-hmm. The commitment to that anthemic sound. Mm-hmm. If you're not paying close attention, if you're just listening to the song, you might believe for a moment, oh, this is great. It's a happy ending. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's really not a happy oh, ending. Oh, man. And then we have finally that last coda Ugh. with Buffy and Spike. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. A, I've never actually seen a real life human being have their eyes turn into hearts before. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I could give you that experience. Wow. Yes. No, this is obviously one of my favorite things. This moment where she goes out, she chases him out, um, and uh, and he's trying to leave, of course. Then she starts singing, and he starts singing. And, of course, their two different songs line up together. Naturally. I love that. Um, and then, of course, you know, while all the singing is going on inside and we have that that final moment of that big anthem song, you know, we see them kissing and it's mm-hmm. just and, and we end on while Buffy and Spike are kissing. Where do we go from here? Yes. I love completely that. Completely theatrical, completely constructed, completely 
true mm-hmm. it's a it's a sucker punch of an ending right how does how does spike and buffy ever end well how is that ever going to be a happy <laughs> well, story we'll find out. i, I know but i love that question at the end i don't want to delve too deeply into some of the issues that mm-hmm. are raised in this episode i yeah. don't want to speculate too freely about the new status quo right at which we've arrived at the end of once more with feeling because we're going to have the perfect opportunity to do that next week mm-hmm. when we get to one of my favorite episodes in the entire oh, run of yeah. buffy tabula rasa mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, though, we probably need to put this on the list, right? This is an episode of Buffy. It is an episode of Buffy unlike any other in a number of different ways. But Mm -hmm. it is an episode of Buffy and it belongs on the big list. So what do you think? Well... I don't think there's that much of a discussion to have, right? I mean, it's it's number one. No discussion to be had? I don't think so. I think there's a discussion to be had. Look back on your time with Buffy And there's one thing that sticks in your head It's not Dawn's big surprise And it's not close your eyes It's the body and Joyce lying dead Yeah, that's tragic and sad And it sure isn't bad But this goes at the top of the list Fool for love has all of the drama And Spike X Buffy's your crush And have you forgotten the horror and awesome Of the gentleman voiceless in Hush? Yes, Buffy's my ship And Hush is a trip But this goes at the top of the list A story's defined by its ending Remember that demonic rift Buffy choosing to die And failing to fly And giving the whole world her gift But Buffy came back The light through the crack And this goes at the top of the list I'm not screwing around And my foot's going down It goes at the top of the list Yeah Number one with a bullet. Told you. Once more with feeling right there at the top of our list above the gift. That's extraordinary. And let me tell you, we are probably not going to be straying too far from that next week when we talk about Tabula Rasa. That, though, will do it for today. We'll be back on Monday with our thoughts on episode eight of season three of Angel Quickening, in which Wolfram and Hart learn of Darla's pregnancy. Then next Thursday, a memory spell goes horribly wrong in all the best ways on episode eight of season six of Buffy, Tabula Rasa. If you've got thoughts and would like to share them with us, please visit storywonk.com contact for more information on all the ways that you can get in touch. Or follow at StoryWonk on Twitter for the latest updates, announcements, and tips on how to get out of those pesky parking tickets. We didn't even talk about Martin Oxen. <laughs> we didn't talk about Martin Oxen. Let me She's take a fabulous. moment to talk about Martin Oxen. She's fabulous. She's just great. No, she is wonderful. And for those of you who have ever watched Dr. Horrible, both David Fury and Martin Oxen show up there as the singing uh, TV anchors. And it's well worth yes. checking that out. If you like Once More with Feeling and you inexplicably haven't watched Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog... I urge you to rectify right. that with all <laughs> haste. If you can't get enough Storywonk, head on over to patreon.com slash Storywonk and pledge us a dollar a month or more where you will get access to exclusive content covering even more TV shows and movies, including a special episode of Dusted looking at the pilot episode of Charm. <laughs> that was a fun discussion. It was a lot of fun. Until next time, I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Dusted. Dusted.